What's up, guys? Motorcycle Dad Podcast here with Tito. So back for episode nine. In this episode, I'm going to go over a couple things. I'm going to talk about a good friend of mine who reached out to me. I'm very humbled that he reached out to me. We're going to talk about how to act when you're around a club, whether you're around a MC or RC or a family club or your local American Legion Riders Club. doesn't matter. How do you act around a club? There's a little protocols and just little tips and traits and then we'll work our way up to other things um that kind of came as a recommendation from my a friend of mine i'm going to talk about here in a minute um we're going to have a segment where we're going to talk motorcycle news and talk shit with dagan he's back again for a little 19 minute spiel we were sitting around the kitchen table last night he came back and we just sat there and went through motorcycle news and started talking shit uh, i'm going to go through ride sharing for motorcycles okay i use this it's uh it's pretty good it's a nice way to make some money and then also the gear tip of the week okay gear tip of the week guys so uh i want to say it this is a little it's always a little weird for me to do the podcast even though it's like oh i'm nine episodes in shit like that because i'm, I'm putting myself out there kind of open myself up and as outgoing as fucking crazy and goofy as i i per- be perceived to people and sometimes a hard ass it's still uh, a little weird sometimes so there's going to be times where it's like I won't put out content for a few days just because it's like I went to go do something. And I just if I don't feel like the energy's right, then I'm not going to fucking record it because I just don't feel like it's going to be a good flow. I don't feel like it's going to be a good episode. There's been a couple episodes here and there where I tried to force it. And I think you, you'll know your episodes. You know which ones you like or not, where I, I tried to force it and I shouldn't have. And that's where I'm kind of learning my lesson. Just wait until I have good content where it's good spirited. And it's not going to be just fucking just blah. I don't want to give you guys just blah. Okay. So I appreciate you guys listening. Um, I had a good friend of mine, uh, Donnie. This guy, I boy, Carolina boy. I'll tell you what. All right. I met Donnie in the Marine Corps in my first squadron in Okinawa, Japan. HMM 265, Marine Medium Helicopter Squadron 265. He was in the flight line shack. Now, flight line for any of you uh civilian folk they're the grease monkeys the the they have the the freaking crew chiefs all the flyers are in there they're the hard asses that's fucking thunderdome flight line is fucking thunderdome dude <laughs> so it's like you don't go up in a flight line unless you have your shit correct and trust me i got rolled up a couple times one of which my fuck i was looking at my feet in the air from getting fucking clotheslined so hard fucking assholes over flight line dude i always loved it because they would always try to pick on us and i remember a couple times they tried to stack us and stacking is basically when they come and run they come and ball you up anybody that knows you know guys fucking around slap boxing stupid shit like that you know what i mean by ball you up so it was all a good fun but my shot was always outnumbered so i learned a valuable lesson of grabbing nut sacks punching throats uh poking eyeballs we didn't fight fair because we were already outnumbered. So fuck fighting fair. We did whatever the fuck we could to get out of it. And it was a culture in the rotary wing community in the Marine Corps. We were more the roughnecks of the air wing, you know, and that tradition followed me from 265 to 268 when I was out in WTI. And I'll talk about 268 later, but this is 265. My, uh, we had a lot of shenanigans back then. There was, uh, there was beer fairies. There were the Power Rangers which is the funniest thing ever because we had these two guys in our uh, in flight line. And I remember one night, me and my roommate, Oso, were sitting there 
in our barracks room. It was probably Friday night. I think it was like we went to like uh, Robin Hood subs. It's like this off-brand sub place, but it's the only thing on base to get subs. They're actually pretty good. We got beer. We're like, all right, we're just going to sit here and watch Ultimate Fighter, I think. It was like when Ultimate Fighter first fucking came out. And I hear a knock on the window. like, And I was like, dude, what the fuck? Like, who the fuck is knocking on our window? We lived on the first floor. I was like, all right, open up the window. It was the fucking Power Rangers with a keg outside of our fucking window. Now, the best part was you had a bunch of the guys from Flight Lot dressed up as fucking Power Rangers, which was fucking hilarious because it's Japan. So you're always able to find like weird, unif- weird costumes, weird shit out there like that. And that's why I fucking love Japan. Loved it. And these motherfuckers were up at the top of the hill. We were drinking all night. And I remember one of them, who I won't name, he was wearing the pink ranger outfit. And the funniest thing was we had this fucking spot behind the fucking beer garden where we used to just go take a piss and start walking all the way to fuck back in the building. You better take a piss. Just piss right there to the bushes in the fucking tall grass. And I remember this motherfucker had the skirt on and had to lift the skirt. It had a slit cut to front so he could fucking take a piss. And it was the funny part was when he was putting pulling the skirt back down, he did a little hip shimmy that you see females do to, to pull the skirt down. It was like the funniest fucking thing ever. It is a very good memory I have. And dude, I miss Okinawa so much, at least during the time we were there. I hear a lot of Marines have gone through. They call it Oki Traz. They're saying it's not as fun. Uh, but to me, it was a blast all the way through and through from the shenanigans of doing that. And then also Donnie and these guys, they got me into riding dirt too out there. Um, I'd ridden country dirt, you know, in farm fields growing up, but never that clay fucking orange shit. And they took me under their wing. They let me ride their bikes. I fouled a couple plugs out. Thanks, homies, for letting me foul some plugs out. And I had to learn my lesson the hard way. I wasn't as good or reckless, but it was encouraging to be around them. And it was the first time I was around, like, I want to say motorcyclists, motorcycles, guys that had that much experience. And to see the community they had about it to where it was, yeah, they bust your balls and shit. But at the same time, it brought you in closer. And is really one of the things that inspired me to get into the industry. Um, it really is because it was like the camaraderie you have, the going out and getting dirty, falling down, the getting back up. That was something that really struck a chord with me and really it was like I wanted more of it. It was a, it was an addiction. And I think it's the reason why I started this podcast is because it's like you have something you're so passionate about that you deeply love. And I kind of being in the industry is on the corporate side of it. I kind of fell out of love with it because it was more the business, not fun shit stuff that I was still good at, but it kind of ate away at my motorcycle soul. So, um, you know, I'm glad I'm doing this podcast. Donnie, thanks for reaching out to me, man. Give me some feedback. I really, really appreciate it. And this reason why I'm on the topic now, he made a suggestion and I was like, okay, well, fine. You know, like I said, you guys are just as much as part of this as I am. And I like it to be that way because I wanted to be constantly changing, evolving. You guys to be part of this motorcycle podcast community. So thank you very much, guys. And Donnie, look, one of the things I'm going to talk about now is how to act around clubs. Okay, whether it's your MC, your three piece uh, club, meaning they have three separate patches on their back, usually an upper, middle, lower, and they'll have an MC square or your RCs, which are more family club oriented. They don't abide by the same rules, but kind of the customs and courtesies are the same especially when they're interacting um you know you'll see different ranks and officers i'm not going to really go into that because if you're just a general civilian outside of that spectrum and you just want to know how to act around these people well 
it's pretty much you just have good fucking manners like your mom taught you popped on the back of the head um and as long as you follow just good manners and don't be a fucking jackass you actually be pretty cool like if you're gonna be that guy that shows up with a sons of anarchy shirt on or some shit to a fucking event uh Good luck, dude. I, I don't know. Like, I don't even know why that would cross your mind. And trust me, I'm a fan. I wa- I've watched the show and shit, but it's kind of like you don't know what it takes for some of these guys to get that patch and what that patch means to them, whether they're an MC or RC. And a lot of those guys see that as very disrespectful because of that. Every club is different, and I'm not going to sit here and talk about any club's protocol, one of the club's protocol, because everybody at some point in time, whatever club calls it, goes through an initiation phase to make sure it's a right fit for you because being involved in a club is a huge commitment whether it's an rc family club or an mc which is the more you know they're more disciplined and more serious about you know that patch every club's going to be a little bit different but they all hold that very closely to them their patches so it's like when somebody just shows up with a shirt or like a fake vest with like a fake club stuff on there which i've seen those out there too uh, I'm not talking about you just wearing a vest with like your, you know, military veteran stuff on there. Clubs don't bother people over that. It's when the fake patches or the fake clubs, like the Mayans, the Sons of Anarchy, it's like, guys, you're, you're now you're kind of pointing your finger at a world that you just don't know. And it's it's one of those things where these most of these people are all the salt of the earth that work fucking ridiculous blue collar jobs. And then they dedicate another big portion of their life to a club. So when you go out there and you do that stuff or you kind of mock them yo dude like don't, don't be amazed if some uh somebody has a tendency may want to talk to you okay because that's how serious this is you're talking about somebody's life somebody came into your line of work or whatever you did and just you know treated it pretty frivolously or kind of like it was a joke you would feel the same way and that's the thing in the motorcycle world is show respect give respect so it goes along those lines of the culture when you're riding by somebody and you throw the deuces out and they throw it back at you, you know, because I've seen plenty of people. I know some people, they don't fucking throw no deuces out. I don't know. That's part of the enjoyment for me. Now, if it's like 50 people in a row, I ain't throwing that shit out. But if it's like I come across a ride every now and then, yeah, I'm gonna throw it out unless you're on a fucking scooter. You're on a moped or a scooter. And I, I take it back. I put it back in my pocket for later. But still, it's always the kind of community where it's show respect, get respect. Um, I don't, some people like to break up in a little bit further tribes than from the club side than that. I just kind of keep it as simple as that because to me, every, I'm an enthusiast of all motorcycles. So outside of being in the club scene, you know, it's just be respectful of people. Just be a good fucking person. That's all there is to it. I don't know what else to say. If anybody wants me to go in any deeper than what I went in for for civilians, then let me know. But, you know, if you run across a club, don't just hop in the middle of their club. You know, I would hang back. If you're really interested in trying to ride with them, you know, say you come across them somehow, hang back. If they happen to pull over to stop, pull over with them, you know, introduce yourself. Like I said, it goes down to manners because introducing yourself in a strong handshake and not interrupting people while they're talking. Those are some very key things, especially if let's just say this. It looks like it's a pretty intense conversation. Don't go run up on the middle of that shit. Like you wouldn't expect people to run up on you in public. So like give guys their their guys their space and then you know you your presence will be acknowledged and you can go up and say hey, you know, hey. And if you happen to run up on them at a gas station or some some type of situation, just be very nonchalant and just be very mannerful. Hey, you know, introduce yourself. Hey, how you doing? You know, this and the other. You know, hey, what do you ride? Oh, okay. And some of the times 
people they'll invite you on like hey man you're gonna have to hang back but if you want we're going here you know you want to go with us uh i think i've told you guys before like me and some of my buddies were hanging out at a bar one time one of my club brothers and we ran across another club and they got there they're like well how's this place we're like it's good we're like we want to keep riding we're, we're about to go ride 30 minutes that way to the pioneer saloon you know in the middle of nowhere in gene and they ended up coming with us and they never been out there and I think that's one of the beautiful things about motorcyclists is we have this tendency to be explorers and want to share those adventures with people. Like, oh man, hey, if you guys didn't stop, stop back over there. Hey, this is the spot to go to. Like when you're on the road, stop at this diner. I fucking love that sense of community we have. And I think MCs and RCs, they just hold the, the reins a little bit tighter on those communities and that brotherhood and sisterhood in most cases too. So it's like they hold that shit tightly and that's why it's like it's not smart to disrespect them or just run up on them and just treat it like some frivolous thing that you saw on you know on tv because it's not people really live that life and like i said don't be scared of some of these you know guys that you perceive to be outlaws because a lot of times these guys are fucking lawyers doctors fucking bankers car salesmen uh some of them are in the industry and even some of these guys that i've met that been on that what they considered or put in a category or in that box of the other side of the law have been some of the most giving most blue collar would give you the shirt off their fucking back kind of people now they're not going to show you the same love they would show their brother because that's a you know something that's earned but you know the type of people that make sure you're okay and you're not asked out as long as you're a good person okay so that's that's just my advice for you know dealing with clubs and mcs and just when you're around other motorcyclists especially if you don't know period okay so guys thanks a lot donnie for that suggestion like i said thank you for listening to words of encouragement it definitely helps brother it really does and this next segment i got me and dagan coming up talking motorcycle news and talking that shit thanks guys motorcycle dad podcast back with my buddy dagan and here it is like i said in the last episode guys uh has some kind of something special we're just gonna sit here and look at motorcycle news and talk shit we started doing it and then we realized like hold on this is like really great material why aren't we fucking recording this so like i said he had to go take care of the dogs and stuff real quick and then he came back and now like literally guys all we're doing is we're just going through some of the stuff we used to read like power sports business news and fucking Yahoo Financial does pretty good reporting. And it's funny because here it is. We're just talking about electric bikes. Mm-hmm. And one of the headlines is Harley Davidson's new electric balance bicycles target next generation of riders. It's like, what? That caught my attention. Which is probably going to be some fucking outlandish, like, $500 fucking balance bike. Oh, yeah. Because you remember the Ames Expo. They had those cool ones there. But they were like, dude, they were like three, $400. Yeah, but I mean, the kids are three to six years old like how how's how are you capturing the market with a three to six year old like i get that you're instilling that two-wheel fascination but they have no idea that it's a harley i'm trying to build a next generation of baby boomers i think i don't know if that's a good business model you wait for one to die off and then you build another one (laughs) well it's good that they're bringing new people into the fray though because it is a shrinking market so it's smart from that aspect that they're trying to regrow the market well i mean you see these guys are like with the was it the pan america they came out with uh yeah. they're, they're trying to they are trying to expand i just think it's a little bit too little too late 
But we'll see. Yeah, it, it, it's about a decade behind. Okay, check this yeah. out. The Iron 2 suitable for riders 3 to 5. Or Iron, no, Iron 12. Iron E12? 3 to 5 year olds and the Iron E16 suitable for 5 to 7 year olds and under 75 pounds. MSRP. $64.99 or $649 and then $699. So it's like, uh, it's just because $700 after tax? Like, dude, that's an expensive ass balance bike, you man. You can get that shit cheaper off of Wish. <laughs> <laughs> you could make your own. I mean, cheap. seriously, that's all they did. Just want, oh, yeah, yeah, hold on. Because Harley just signed that agreement. With that company that makes Benelli and makes what? What else is it? SSR. SSR. Yep. So to make them a, a bike in the Chinese market, mm-hmm. I just don't. <coughs> I just don't see it, dude. No. I think like yet again, it's too little, too late. There's another one. Harley Davidson is going whole hog on electric bicycles. So you got the balance bike, and then you have electric bicycles that they're gunning for. Okay, but there's tons of companies all through California and the U.S. and Japan and China and the whole of the Asiatic area that already make and capitalize on this market. So it's like, what's Harley going to do to improve well, it? Well, that's exactly what they're saying. It's like, that's the biggest problem the company's going to run into besides the name trying to sell itself. Like, yeah, they'll probably sell a good amount just because it has Harley stamped on it. Because, I mean, you're talking about phenomenal branding. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah their branding is like... Bar none. Well, yeah, because other companies aren't even allowed to decorate with the color orange, pretty much. Yeah, I know. Because Harley owns the orange. <laughs> yeah, trust me. I think uh, I think they had some beef with a former employer of mine behind that, but I'll leave that be because we had to stop wearing certain kinds of shirts. <laughs> but that's the thing they're saying. There's like there's already enough e-bikes out there. There's all these companies out there already doing it. It's like uh, and really well too. Like, seamlessly well. And then are you going to get that same upcharge that you're going to get just because it's got the Harley name on it? It's like, well, I'm not going to fucking buy it. And that's no. the way at least m- most millennials I know are thinking about it. Mm, I don't think they're really doing anything significant for 2020 besides the live wire. That's been, like, their biggest thing. And the then, live wire, the smaller bike displacement market in Asia, and that's really about it. Different, pain, I think what you're going to see is different pain schemes different accessories for the milwaukee 8 which i'm still iffy on i'm still going to do a whole nother thing on milwaukee 8s i'm still not a big fan of them i think feeling did it best when it was in the evo model back in the 80s but that's just me what the fuck do i know i get all my information from the internet (laughs) (laughs) it's like what do i know they only had a patent from what i can tell it just seems like they're trying to catch up but at such a slow rate that they never would it's mainly color schemes and engine displacement, and that's about it. Well, and look, man, like this is like Polaris, right? These guys are a fucking huge juggernaut just because of the fact they have the fucking side-by-side market. And most people hate the fact that they, you know, side-by-sides are taking over a lot of the ATV, UTV, oh, yeah. outdoor community. But at the same time, it's like, well, for one, they ain't cheap, so I ain't getting one anytime soon. Unless we hit the lottery or some shit. But it's like, they're fun... Oh, dude, well, they're yeah. like they're not cheap. It's like forty thousand, dude. That's a new car. Well, yeah, but I mean, that's you're talking about the recreational side of UTVs. Now, majority of people that the reason why they were invented was 
for people who were working class, who yeah. actually needed a vehicle that wasn't a quad that could actually carry shit and fit in between fence posts. I think it's the most American thing our generation has done is side by side. Exactly, <laughs> yes. And case in point, I saw a commercial the other day for brand new John Deere's. The new John Deere's are starting to give more fucking John, performance aren't they? John Deere has performance side-by-sides with enclosed cabins, which is a first, that have heating and air conditioning. The fuck out of here. Yeah. So I remember I worked... When I was working in Lakeland, Florida for a while, when I was in between Eagle Rider gigs, mm. uh, the dealership that I worked with, we worked for Zero, and then also it was like this off-brand fucking UTV company, Massimo. And apparently- <laughs> Was that Target? No, dude, they had <laughs> sold it like barber supply stores for years. I was like, I've never <laughs> fucking heard of Massimo. I was like, what the fuck is a Massimo? They had one that was really cool. It looked like a little mini hover. But dude, after fucking, I want to say, about a month of pulling this thing in and out of the shop every day, shit started fucking like breaking. Like, well, fucking duh. shifter, fucking side. I mean, because it's like Chinese, you get what you pay for with the quality. Oh, I was gonna say, was it Italian? No, <laughs> dude, it wasn't Italian. That just means the parts would fucking take forever to get here. Oh my god, I fucking hate Italian parts system. Anyways, I digress. Massimo's shit was all fucked up, dude. Like the bumper started fucking rattling off, and come to find out, the bolts cross threaded or some shit. And it was just like, and they were trying to build themselves up to be like a little bit more performancey and edgy because for so long they were like the poor farmer's John Deere. Yeah. So it's funny you mentioned John Deere because I know there's still fucking companies like Massimo out there. Cheap Chinese stuff. Well, one thing in fucking Power Sports News, players announced his grand opening of Distribution Center in Nevada. So basically distribution for all their parts and accessories. It's a 475,000 square foot facility. Up in northern Nevada, Fernley. That's northern. That's up in the Reno area. There's lots of companies out there, like fucking Tesla's building their huge factory out there. There's there's a few of them out there. Uh, Google, I think Amazon's built another factory. Google. Aftermarket PG&A. Very interesting. Thank you, sir. Putting it on the laptop. And then. Yeah, they got a new facility up there, which is smart because that was one of always my beast with fucking Triumph. They're trying to expand what another hundred dealerships this this past calendar year. Yeah, that's but what they're, they're gunning for. But still, their fucking parts ran out of Georgia. Yeah, that's their headquarters. Yeah, but check this shit out. The parts actually I've come to find out they actually came out of Tennessee. So we would do our thing on TOL like doo, 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 I need to order this fucking bumper. <laughs> doo, doo, doo. Right, this part. It's like, oh, it's Sean Green. They have plenty. And then I send the order to Georgia. Georgia sends the order to Tennessee where the warehouse is and where the UPS employees that manage their parts are. And that's why I remember sometimes you would order some shit. And you're like, oh, man, let me check one. It should have been here by now. Yeah, yeah. And then it goes back and it's like, oh, back order. Because these assholes would now go and check. And we're like, oh, I'm sorry. There ain't no fucking part here. And then try to update their system. And then when you call them bitch at Tron, they're like, oh, you're not saying. Like, they be like, we don't know where it is, man. I think the queen the queen has it, and she's going to send it after tea time. And I was like, man, what the fuck, dude? Like, I love Triumph, but that was one of the things that it's like I hated dealing with. But they were still better than fucking Italian. Well, that's because they had manufacturing power. Because 
unlike the Italians, they engineered and designed everything in the UK and then decided, oh, well, let's be smart about this and assemble and manufacture everything in, what was it, Thailand? Yeah, something like that. So they cut costs down. That way they could produce more and supply quicker. Yeah. So you're still getting build quality because it's... Well, as long as they... F- it's fix- designed in the UK and it's tested in the UK. Well, one of the ones that I like is the new fucking Rocket, which I want to give them that we see. The new fucking rocket. Oh, yeah. That thing's stupid, dude. That thing's insane. As long as they fix the fucking transmission. That oh, was yeah. my biggest beef because, dude, the train... That thing put down so much fucking torque. Let's see. Well, yeah. Isn't the... The new one's supposed to be lighter, larger displacement, and more power. All in the same go. Which thing was already a monster. Yeah. It's the largest uh, displacement bike on the market. There's nothing bigger than it. It's two and a half liters. So that that's where it is because they're claiming 165 horse, 163 foot pounds. Which honestly I think is more. I think they're underrating it because every I don't know. comparison, every ride review that I've seen of people who have talked to Triumph, they're, you know, Triumph employees are quoting 175 and 100 and almost 80 foot pounds. That's what fucking Chuck was pulling on one. We fucking did. I think we did a Ram Air and some fucking. We did a tune on it. And that was a standard and Rocket Three. Dude, he didn't have anything else. And I think we were putting down like 180 something for fucking torque at the wheel. It's yeah. Like, God, dude. Like, yeah. Well, dude, two and a half liters, dude. My my car is only a two liter. It makes 150 foot pounds. Did you ever see that red one? That one customer, I don't know. He lives out in Boulder City. He's got a fucking supercharged. Oh, yeah. That was the, the stealth-mounted uh, turbo centrifugal? Bro, that thing, He, th- I think that was his second transmission. Yeah. Well, dude, he was making like 250 horsepower. Something <laughs> stupid. Something insane. That's a big fucking bike, though, bro. Like, But it's aimed at being a larger, more comfortable version of the Diablo. Or Diavel, however the fuck you want to pronounce God, it. God, don't even start on that fucking bullshit. <laughs> I fucking hate that bike. I think that bike's garbage. That's what I fucking think about that well, thing. Well, I mean... Give yeah. me a fucking M109 and let me ram it in like a fucking man. <laughs> fuck all this fucking cheap shit. Right? Diavel. Woo! I feel like Joe Dirt. Give me a fucking M109. Woo! <laughs> Mopar, bitch. Mopar! <laughs> fuck Chrysler. Uh, I'm excited yeah. about that. I would be a little bit more excited about the Daytona. If it made more power. If it made more power. Because it makes the same power that uh, the Street Triple does, which is 128. But this is what my thing always comes down with to, with Triumph. And this is why, like, I bought my, my my 2014 I bought because it was a great deal. I got a great deal on that. And I fucking love it. I love oh, yeah, the power yeah. band. It reminds me of my 05 R6. Exactly fits my riding style. And I think I ride like an asshole. Or a good ride, a better rider on a bike like that that I'm comfortable on. Mm-hmm. Ride with them, I mean, it's all that bullshit. Yeah, yeah. But my problem is always like, what you're getting for your money. Oh yeah. And you're basically paying a little bit extra money for the name for Triumph because like the Speed Triple. I think the the Yamaha FZ09 or was it MT09 now? No, like, the 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 Speed Triple is the is the 1050cc. Yeah, but so you're I mean, looking at an MT10. The MT10, you're right. So, but it's like for what you're getting, 
$2,000 less and you're getting a beast of a fucking bike. I'd rather do an MT-10. <sighs> All day. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like Cross-plane crank. For, I mean, for what you're getting, it's like the yeah. better bargain is the Yamaha. Yeah, but then if you go down to the street triple... That's different. That is the big contender because it won Bike of the Year like three years in a row. Yeah, that's why I don't understand why they don't invest a little bit more in the shoes. Exactly. Like their marketing, accessories. I mean, aftermarket games kind of tough to fucking catch up with unless you put an SC project. Or like I found Delkovic, that fucking European-based company. But I'm not really that excited. They're only making 765 for the U.S. market. Well, Well, here's the thing. It's a just under 800 cc bike competing in a class against mv augusta yeah. and technically ducati so you have the mv augusta f3 800 and you have the ducati 959 which technically is way too big for the class but because it's under a thousand cc everyone's like oh well it's still in the same class no bullshit you make 90 plus foot pounds of torque and you're 160 cc's bigger than the next biggest bike like you you guys need to stop putting lumping that guy in here comes back to one of my my i don't know why i like the new scrambler so much uh i haven't ridden one yet i have have you all right what do you think of the scram the new the new scrambler that actually it looks like a scrambler to me it looks uh i was like shit it's a little on the heavy side but besides that dude the thing's fast is it yeah well i mean it's under 500 pounds it's like 485 something like that which is about the same as my r9t and it makes roughly the same power but it's a parallel twin so it's got that slimmer profile it's a little taller because it's got the long travel suspension and everything and because it's fly by wire not throttle cable like mine, it's a little unpredictable, which gives it that kind of scary factor. Yeah, I can see that. Because you feel a little disconnected. Like, you get on the gas, and it's not that there's a pause. It's that it comes on so quickly that you're not ready for it. That's always been my beef with the fly-by-wire or the ride-by-wire or Gold Wings. Like, that's the reason why I think Gold Wings like, probably one of the most impressive machines out there for anybody to own. But it's like, uh, it's too perfect it's too good it's like i can feel it right like yeah like no i want a little bit of lag yeah so you want to feel it but hands down one of the best crossover bikes in the market Hmm. if you're gonna look at a pardon pardon the uh the term but quote-unquote hipster bike genre it is by far one of the best looking best amenity cheapest priced best capability it it's up there the r9t if it had another three inches of suspension travel and a fancier dash, it would be on par with that. Oh, we never finished talking about murder one. Was it kill one, marry one, murder one? What, what, I don't know. What the fuck did I say earlier? Uh, well, we were talking about, um, was it uh, Dream Bike? Dream Bike. Bike you, you had to get rid of out of the market. And what was the other one? I can't remember. But it, it was a th- three-bike garage. Got you. Yep. 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 So for me personally, if I had to go through and pick 
three different bikes, obviously I'm gonna be as practical as possible and get three completely different genres. Got one for everything. Yeah. But what about you? What do you feel about that? Uh, I think that's the reason why I kept my electric rod because I want to have like I'm not a, I'm not a car guy. I'm a hot rod. I'm not really hot rod or any of that. So that can be my hot rod. Okay. That just can waste money into, but it's still fun to fucking ride from time to time. Yeah. I want to keep my street triple. Possibly upgrade that to the seven six five eventually. Wait until you can get a good deal on it because I'm not going to buy it until I know I can get a good fucking deal on it. Right. And I'm probably not going to buy it from in town. I'm probably going to go out of town to buy it. Well, no, just do what everyone else does and just, you know, pitch a whole bunch of people all at the same time and see what happens. Yeah, no, right. Have people bid for your business. Well, that, but hopefully by that point in time, that's not even an issue anyways. We'll have, we'll, we'll have resources at our disposal well, yeah. for the Well, things. yeah, but at that point, you're also just going to do it for fun. Oh, absolutely. You, you won't even worry about it. Absolutely. Uh, I do want another adventure kind of bike. So not sure whether that means Scrambler or GS. Of course, the Big Mac Daddy would be the GS 1250. GSA with the extra tank, the hard bags, all that bullshit. That's like that's like owning a Suburban. Yeah, it does everything. It does everything. And, and it does it well. Like, it doesn't really suck in any sense of the word. So that's kind of where I'm sitting at right now. Maybe if I got rid of the Harley... But the thing is, with the GS twelve fifty, I can do uh, I can do long distance riding. There's guys that do long distance dude, riding all the time. So dude, it's like it's heat, not like, mm. heated seat, heated grips, cruise control, Bluetooth, everything, GPS. I mean, that bike will do everything. The only thing it won't do is a track day. But I mean, unless you're big into the sport bike scene, it's not really going to be a problem. Yeah, that's true. Well, look, man, we're going to stop right here, and we'll pick it up another time, Dave. Thanks again, bro. No worries, man. All right, guys. Next segment coming up. Peace. Hey, Tito back, guys. I hope you enjoyed that segment with me and Dagan just sitting there going through motorcycle news shit talking. Um, If there's any particular manufacturers, anything you guys want me to cover, please feel free Hit me up on my social media. I'll go over all that whole spiel at the end. But that gave me enough time to go ahead in between segments. I had to go make sure the kid was fed. Because I shoot these about 15, 20 minutes at a time. And uh, I'll go out to, you know, do the parenting thing with my daughter. And then just now I just made her lunch, mac and cheese, set her up with a juice box and blippy uh, on YouTube. Let me tell you what, man, that guy must make a killing. Because that guy's name is trademarked. Everything's trademarked. And he's on YouTube and the kids love him. And at first I wasn't sure about this blippy guy. And I sat there and started watching the videos with her and seeing what he covers. And I was like, all right, it's educational. I dig. I always try to put the kid on educational stuff. Which is surprising because my daughter is scary. She actually likes hanging out in the garage. She was out there with me earlier. Uh, matter of fact, I'm going to go over that reason why my kid was out in the garage with me earlier today. Uh, I use, I have multiple motorcycles. I have a problem. Hi, my name's Tito. I have a problem. I'm addicted to motorcycles. Uh, and I, at one point had three in this addiction. And let me tell you what, dude, it's a fucking pain in the ass owning more than two motorcycles or more than one period. Because you got to think, you got to maintain, make sure it's charged, make sure you ride it, blah, blah, blah. Amongst everything else going on in your life. And some people, don't get me wrong, I know some people out there have a lot more time to go ride than others. Okay. But still, 
especially for me, it was hard because especially on the rental side, when I was specifically working for Eagle Rider in the rental side, I, I barely rode my bike because I was riding mainly company bikes whenever I was out of town all the time. Like I don't ship my bike out of town. I got a whole fleet of them waiting there for me. So that was a weird part. But I say all that shit to get to this. Uh, sometimes you just bike sitting around. All right. Just sitting there collecting dust. All right. There is a ride share for motorcycles called Riders Share. Okay.com. You can Google it. And basically it allows you to rent your motorcycle out um, to people that want to rent. Now they have to be verified through the website. You know, they're checked and verified and blah, blah, blah. Identified, you know, and you still got to go through a little process when they come in to get the bike, you know, take pictures, take note of the mileage, gas, take a picture of their ID. But the bike is insured by Ridershare throughout the duration of the rental. So if anything is to happen, you put in a claim, the insurance, you know, give them an estimate from the dealership and the insurance company cuts you a check up to $15,000 at least. Um, uh, so you got a $25,000, $30,000 bike. Yeah, that's something to consider. But me, I, I love my street triple, but I don't have as much sentimental value to it as much as my Harley. Not only that, my Harley's a beast. So, it's, you know, anybody that's not experienced, I wouldn't want them to ride it anyways. Um, where the street triple is a little bit more forgiving. Especially the way I have it set up, um, you know, no apes. Or it's 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 a track bike, sport naked bike. So I don't need to have all these you know ape hangers and shit like you do on a V twin. So it's more rentable and pretty much. August was dry because rentals has a tendency in July and August in Vegas because it's so fucking hot. It's like it only the insane and the insane uh, go out there in that heat like that. But uh, didn't have a rental last month and I just had one this month and guy picked up today it's a three-day rental and it pretty much pays for my bike payment and puts a little bit more money in my pocket and that's only one rental this month so um if you are a bike owner that has multiple bikes and of course like the harley has a tendency of being more sentimental to people at least to me that's the way i feel um you can make a little bit of extra cash be dynamic that's one thing about the internet and software and fucking what all these fucking rider share websites and all this information and podcasting and all of it is this information out there for us you don't have to fucking go sit in the library anymore you got it all right there on your phone and i literally do three quarters of my work through my fucking iphone it's the craziest thing ever uh, there is sometimes i just legitimately need to sit down at a computer and type some shit out and fucking do stuff. But for the most part, three quarters of the stuff I do is through my phone, which is funny. I still got to look, Rick, thanks for me. and You were talking today. He was telling me there's a company out there in Australia that was working on an app that would allow your fucking cell phone to become a satellite phone in case you're an adventure rider off-roading and stuff. Pretty crazy, but I'll have to get more details on that. Now we're going to the gear tip of the week, okay? <clears throat> My gear tip of the week is this. If you're going on any trip outside of 50 mile radius, somebody in your group or yourself should have a battery jump pack, okay? I take mine with me everywhere I went, whenever I traveled, for work, anytime, I always took mine with me. You can get them now on Amazon for about 70 to 80 bucks, so not a big deal. You know, but I highly suggest picking one up because there's been many a time where I can count on all my fingers and somebody fucking needed one and get like a little cheap tool kit just so you can get to the battery. Make sure you got enough tools on you and fucking some people make their own from Harbor Freight stuff, 
with Ziploc bags or some little bags to keep under their seats. Some people go and get like the special little roll up one that's a motorcycle specific one. I know Bike Master sells one. It's not not that bad. If you got a Harley, that's probably the one you want to go with. If you're a sport bike guy, you're probably better off going to Harbor Freight or somewhere like Lowe's or Home Depot and picking out tools that you know you can fit underneath your seat and just make your own little dry bag and just fucking throw them in there. So that way you can at least always get to the battery. <clears throat> and the jump pack, you use that to jump bikes. I've jumped like the pack that I have. I can jump up to five bikes. They're completely dead. Well, one completely dead, the rest like halfway, which all you need is a little bit anyways, most of the time. So that is my gear tip of the week. Make sure you pick up one of those jump packs. I see them on Amazon for like uh, the decent ones for 75 bucks. I see some for like 60 bucks, 40 bucks. It's definitely a small price to pay than to have to wait three to four hours for a tow truck. Or you got to pay, you know, somebody if you don't have AAA, have to pay somebody 150, 200 bucks to come out. And then it's already paid for itself. So I promise you, if everybody in your group has one, you can never go wrong. So, well, guys, look, thanks again for listening. I'm getting tons of encouragement and it's really, it's really getting fun. Um, I really appreciate it. I want to try to have as many people on this as possible. I'm still working on the Skype thing. It's being a little weird. And I'm still working on Apple approval. They're still dicking me around. But once I get that uh, clearing through, we're going to keep moving forward. It ain't going to stop me. I'm going to keep making these. So uh, I appreciate everybody sending me messages and feedback. If you got my number, hit me up personally. I ain't going to put it out on podcast. Sorry. If you know me, you know me. Um, for anybody else, please feel free. Hit me up on my social media. I got you know Tito CP 702 uh t-i-t-o cp702 that's my instagram or you can find me on facebook chris tito padilla or you can email me it's cp tito 702 at gmail.com let me make sure i'm giving you the right fucking information first i just want to because now we live in the age where you have multiple emails oh my god it sucks yep cp tito 702 at gmail.com okay guys if you just want to shoot me an email or something like that Like you said, guys, much appreciate the love. Hope everybody has a great weekend. Positive energy. Everybody do your thing. Have fun. Arrive alive. Survive the ride. All that good stuff. Much love and respect to everybody. See you when I see you. Peace.